0: Where are you going to go for the best in college radio? The University of Central Missouri, of course. Tune in to the UCM radio station, The Beat.
1: Welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Olivia Gibbs, and tonight we're on the air with Michael Giovannini, UCM alum and current director of safety for the Denver Air Connection. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I want to start with talking about your time as a student at UCM. So what brought you to the university?
0: Sure, Um, I'm originally from about an hour south of Boston, Massachusetts. So just inland of Cape Cod. And I chose UCM because of the aviation degree. And at the time they had helicopters, which was my main goal. I wanted to fly helicopters and I wanted a degree in aviation. Um, so there I was, um, picked up all my bags and went halfway across the country to uh, <laughs> to attend school and you know and, and learn how to fly helicopters. Um, the other the other piece of that um, um, that was a plus for me was um, I could participate in marching band too. So um, I did that as kind of a de stressor I guess you could say, you could say, from my academics. So that's right. that's what brought me there. Yeah, this what brought me to Lawrenceburg with my Boston accent in the Midwest.
1: Um, so then what was it about UCM's specific aviation program
0: specifically? It was, it was the helicopters. That was the, uh, that was my main attraction. Um, at the time there were, there were only one or two other options that I found that had the four-year degree, um, and had helicopters as part of their flight training option. Um, and cost wise, and at least from the, the literature that I received from the from the university at the time, um, UCM was going to be the best fit for me. Okay, yep.
1: right. yep. So did you get to fly helicopters?
0: No. no. <laughs> so no. So the, the year I guess it was my sophomore year. Um, they sold them.
1: I was going to say, I, I was, don't think we have them anymore.
0: <laughs> no, they don't. Um, that's why when I, when I, when I win the lottery and become a multimillionaire, I'm going to buy some helicopters. I'm going to start a helicopter program at UCM. So you've got that on tape now. So I guess I'm committed to it. I just got to win the lottery. Um, yeah, yeah, I was that stubborn, um, that I was like, I'm like, I, I won, I wanted to fly helicopters. And at the time the aviation degree wasn't structured in a way that you needed to fly to, to graduate as part of that curriculum. So, um, so I just trucked along and um, finished my aviation degree and just kept looking at, you know, what, what opportunities you know, would present themselves at least on the, on the helicopter side. Um, and then do you want me to go where, where I went from there?
1: Yeah, if you'd like.
0: That. Yeah, so my, I guess it was my junior year, beginning of my senior year, um, I was always involved with campus activities to one degree or another. You know, I was already doing marching band as a non-music major. Um, I had leadership positions within marching band as well. Um, again, not as a non-music major. It was a, it was a great. It was, for me, coming from out of state, I immediately had at least a core of people that had similar backgrounds, you know, so it helped me transition from being far from home and really being part of the campus community and athletics as well to that, to that extent, right? Um, but the, then, um, I think it was the vice president of, well, what's now called student services, but it was called student affairs back then um pulled me pulled me aside one day um it might have been during um fresh um during orientation move in the residence halls um and just mentioned mentioned to me casually that he uh he thought i really enjoyed it looked like i really enjoyed helping out fellow college students and really and I and i did i did i, I enjoyed being part of the campus in that manner and helping out college students and being a resource for especially for new students And he asked me if I ever thought I'd be interested in getting a master's in student personnel administration. I'm like, what's with that? I'm an aviation (laughs) degree. I want to fly helicopters. So he told me about it. And it was really, you know, student services. Is anything working with college students outside of academics? So financial aid, academic advisement, admissions, you know, any of those student support services. And I paused and thought about it for, I'm like, well, here's a mentor that's identifying maybe some, some strengths that I didn't realize I had. And this could be a plan B if for some reason the helicopter career in aviation doesn't work out. So I did that. So I jumped at it. I jumped at, you know, researched it and then stayed there at the university and got my master's in student personnel administration. Meanwhile, I kept thinking, okay, helicopters, helicopters, helicopters. (laughs) Um, And I did, I did internships in the admissions office. I was a grad assistant in academic advisement um, specific to the business college. So I was, assisting students, you know, enroll in courses and advise them on graduation requirements and academics and things like that. It was really fun and rewarding. And then when I graduated, I, um, I got a position in the admissions office as a um, admissions representative. So I did that for three years um, after I finished my master's and I traveled to all around the South central and Southwest part of the state. That was my whole territory. So pretty much I-70 South all the way down below Joplin, um, and as far east as, uh, Jeff city and Springfield and, you know, all those areas off there. So I did that for three years, um, talking about not, not specific to aviation, but of course I, you know, I got referred to from the other admissions reps, you know, for any students that were interested in aviation and talk about that. So I traveled throughout the state represented the university. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention too, when I was doing my, my grad work, I, I kept I kept participating in marching band. I was actually a drum major for those two years. I was doing my master's. So, um That's a lot of loved, work. yeah, yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot of work, but it was still a lot of fun. And it was, you know, to talk about inclusive inclusivity within campus organizations, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that I was a non-music major and I had a leadership, you know, position that was, you know, presented to me and I was able to, to participate at that level, you know, to be to be one of the drum majors for the, for the university as a non-music major, it was really cool. I've got a lot of good friends and a lot of my leadership skills I learned early on were through marching band. So it, it's, a, it's a soft spot for me there too. It was a, really, it was a, it was a good part of the, my experience there at UCM. So, so anyway, I, um, so I worked at the university, did that for admissions, and then um, found out about an opportunity to to join the army and fly helicopters directly so um, the, the, then the, uh, the director of admissions at the time was a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the Army. And he, he got his undergrad degree in, um, in safety at UCM um, and flew helicopters. So he was, a, he was an interesting mentor. We had interesting stories together. Um, and he came to me one day and said that they were gonna create a, a position in the admissions office at that time for an assistant director for, for recruitment. And he thought that would be a good candidate for it. And it was there that it was kind of like a fork in the road in terms of my career. Like, okay, well, here's, there's an opportunity to stay in higher education and continue helping the university and helping college students out and find their path. But then here's this opportunity for me to f- fulfill my lifelong dream of flying helicopters. And the decision point was I was thinking about my future and I'm going to be director of admission someday. And a helicopter is going to fly over campus and I'm going to get there and wonder what if i can always come back to higher ed if the helicopter thing doesn't work out so um so after three years and it you know serving serving the university and the community and the state you know in admissions and, and doing all that i i left and <laughs> joined the army and flew helicopters. So, um, <laughs> and i did that for seven and a half just about eight years
1: So you finally got to fly helicopters.
0: I got to fly helicopters. Yeah, and serve (laughs) serve my country, and you know, and do all that great fun stuff and dangerous stuff too. And yeah, it was a great experience.
1: Um, Okay, so I will, I will come back to that. But right now,
0: backtrack a little bit.
1: You mentioned that you were involved in the marching mules. Was there anything else that you were involved in um, during undergrad?
0: Um, Yeah, I participated in. Um, Alpha Eta Row, which is the aviation academic fraternity. Um, so I did that as a way to be involved, of course, with with that department and you know, the efforts there in aviation. Um, and then a lot of the other I, I other activities I I guess I was involved in would have been intramural sports. Um I'm a big tennis player, so I do that as I play a lot of tennis and did you know did intramural tennis there um, at my time. Um and campus activity stuff, you know, in, in terms of helping out with programs and, you know, for students and help organize, organize organizing that sort of thing. Um, every year I was part of the, I don't know if they still call it this way, but they call it the hot team of the hall orientation team. So those are the students that show up um, right before admit, you know, right before the, the residence halls open up and then, you know, help, help families and students move into the residence halls and be a resource for them for during orientation and stuff. Um, and I, that's really where my foundation in working in higher ed started was through that volunteering and, and giving back to the campus and helping out and sharing my experiences as a, as, an un, as a current student, but also a current out-of-state student, you know. So it wasn't just, you know, it, Central is such a good, good location for a lot of communities in the backyard, you know, that, you know, it's, 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 a, great, it's a great spot for that, but we, it also attracts people from all over the world, really. Um, so I was able to at least give that perspective, um, you know, to incoming freshmen and, and their families when I was participating there or later on, when I was working at my, in my graduate work or as an admissions representative, you know, be able to give my experience, you know, that, you know, that, that I think it speaks a lot to, to the university to say that they, you know, they attracted some all the way from the other side of the coast right. and, you know, and for an aviation program, which they're known for nationally, but I stayed there I made a you know I, I made contributions to the campus and you know through the opportunities you know it's a great it's a great campus it's, it's big but it's small you know you can you can make a dent and really make a spot for yourself or just you know go along your way and go off and do great things so it's you know it's a great it's a great place for those opportunities yeah um I can't think of anything specific besides you know freshman orientation stuff and other campus activities things. Um, when I was working on my graduate work, I helped um, create a um, non-traditional and transfer student orientation. Um, so that was helping students that were transferring in from community colleges or from other universities or adult age learners that were coming to back to school or starting degrees. We put um, And that came, that actually was housed at the time in campus activities. It wasn't part of admissions. Um, okay. So um, I helped create Create and run that um, as a grad student. So, it was, so pretty, pretty cool opportunities there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm sure that's helpful. Now they, I can't tell you the amount of people I've met that are transfer students. So mm-hmm. I'm still um, implementing that. Um, so you said that you wanted to fly helicopters. Um, what were your specific career goals during undergrad?
0: So I was trying to get helicopters back to campus, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> um, one of one of the uh, one of the instructors in the aviation department, he um, he was a retired Coast Guard, um, and he was like the helicopter. He, he kind of headed up that area to some degree. Um, so I talked to him a lot about it, and um, I understand the decisions why they why they chose to sell the helicopters. You know, there, there's not many not many people. You know, it's kind of a niche area in aviation to some degree. And it's it's a lot more expensive than learning how to fly an airplane, um, so cost wise, went through there. So my main goal was that it was just to you know, okay, well when that shifted, I'm like, okay, well I don't need to fly right now. I can put that off, and I don't need it to graduate, so I just continue on and get my undergraduate degree and figure out what I want to do there. Um, before before I had that conversation with that vice president, um, I was thinking, well, I could stay here and get us you know an aviation safety degree. Which would open up some other opportunities, you know, in aviation. Um, while I still try to figure out the helicopter thing or or how to finance it, whatever. Um, and I was that stubborn too. And I was looking at the other armed services, but I really wanted that guarantee that it was absolutely sure that, given the opportunity, I would go straight to flight school. So that's why I didn't didn't join the other services right away or or jump that opportunity. Um, so my main goals was to you know continue to finish out my degree, find you know talk to touch other people about the opportunity. So, you know, the aviation department, you know, was small enough, big enough that, you know, you, the, the variety of the instructors there with lots of different experience, both in the airlines, as well as business aviation, other areas. So I felt I had good resources there to make an informed decision or to find, a find a path for me. Um, and I think that in my mind as a, Kind of a, as a pessimist plan you know plan b what happens if a doesn't work out i'm i'm very grateful and fortunate that that vice president you know pulled me aside and talked to me talked to me about that opportunity because it really shaped my my career path after that in in a very in very unique ways um and i'm very grateful for that you know it's you, know, you, you don't you may not always recognize those opportunities and fortunately for me i i somehow saw it, you know, that, okay, well, here's, here's someone, you know, know, a mentor, you know, someone that I've worked with as an undergrad student, the vice president of student services, student affairs, that's, that's seeing something in me or see, you know, and presenting this opportunity that I, I had no idea about, you know, you don't, you know, you're, you're an undergrad student, you go to class, you have your, you know, you've got your instructors and your faculty members that you engage with, and maybe the, the area coordinator or residence hall director maybe you might see them around you know when you're living on campus but all those all the the staff you know on campus and what they do and how they support students sometimes it's transparent to you as a student unless you're involved in those areas you know you you know you're the resources in the library and you see the same librarian or staff there or the person at you know whatever resource center you know the writing lab or whatever you know but um, those career fields, those student support services are really unique. And it, you know, it's, uh, it's very, it's a, I found it to be very rewarding. And even though I'm in the aviation career now, um, yeah, I miss working on a college campus. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. Um, cause it is so it's, it's, it's so rewarding. I had such a great time at it and, um, and, you know, the UCM was really that, you know, attribute it all back to that and my experience there.
1: Yeah. So speaking of working on a college campus, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you started working there. You kind of got recruited to work for admissions your junior year. What what was your role um,
0: in the admissions office? Well, no, it wasn't my, I'm sorry if I I misrepresented that. My junior year was um, as an undergrad was when the vice president kind of pulled me aside and talked to me about working on college campuses you know and and talk about getting a master's degree in that field um i really started working with admissions office directly while i was doing my graduate work um, because i was um as i said i worked in i helped create the 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 non-traditional transfer student orientation and that was out of campus activities at the time and then that led to relationships with academic advisement, because you are coordinating those students in with their advisor appointments. So I was able to create some relationships with advisors and the director of um, um, academic advisement. And then when I got, when I was working on my graduate degree that led to my graduate assistantship in academic advisement, which was right next to admissions at the time and then making friends with admissions and then working with, you know, doing some other, um, I got some graduate credit for doing what they call practicums, which is just, just slight of like an internship You you get so many hours. So I helped out in admissions with, um, while I was doing my grad work with uh, yeah. freshman orientation, um, and some other on-campus events, you know, as a learning opportunity to learn about the admissions side of student services and within the, you know, the college or university, um, area. So, that led to that opportunity that when I graduated, they just happened to have two, two um, admissions representative positions open. And I applied and fortunate enough, I was able to get it. So, um, so during my graduate work, working admissions, you know, I, I helped out, you know, we have, they had students that did college campus tours, you know, during the fall and spring. And um, I helped out with, you know, with that sort of thing. So it was, it was kind of like a, a breadcrumb trail that went from, campus activities to advisement to admissions, which led me, led me there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so then during your masters, while you were working for admissions, did your career goals change at all? Or were you just kind of like split?
0: You know, no. Um, I think as, you know, as I'm working on, on my masters and then was getting exposed to all the different areas of working on a college campus and student support services. Um, being exposed to the different areas, I realized what areas I might find career paths that fit me better. Um, I really enjoyed working in admissions. And, and I think that was kind of the core of maybe what that vice president was identifying back in my undergrad years was, I seemed to really enjoy helping out fellow college students and helping and being a resource for them. And being in admissions as admissions as admissions representative really was an extension of that because you're out there traveling throughout the state Talking to families and prospective students about your experience and helping them be a resource, um, and not just maybe for the university. You know, people may not like hearing this, but you know, if you know, it's not every campus fits everybody, right? It's right. You know, yeah. so you know, being able to go, hey, we 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 may have the best, I don't know, English program in the state, but if you don't visit college camp, if you don't visit the campus and talk to students and talk to staff. And then you just show up just based on what's U.S. News and World Report says or what you hear word of mouth and you show up and it doesn't fit you for some reason, kind of like a shirt off of a rack at a store. That looks great. You put it on. It's itchy. It's uncomfortable. And like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Then go visit campus. You know, there's other opportunities out there. Just go somewhere. Do something. Find that. Find that goal. So um, I think my career, my career goals didn't really change much. I still... I still wanted to fly to fly helicopters you no know, that, was, that was my passion that's why i went there um and i was fortunate enough to find this other career path um, along the way you know so um i kept looking into the armed services and um again i was stubborn enough that i'm like i'm not going to just join and then hope that i can maybe get to aviation and hope to maybe go to flight school i want the guarantee and if i can't get the guarantee that's fine because I've got this great career path that I found, you know, working on the college campus and university and helping college students that, you know, I can, I can learn how to fly later and then and figure out that career, you know, at a second point. So, um, so I, you know, it wasn't like I was actively pursuing two different areas. I was working in a career field that I really enjoyed um, and it, you know, it was very fulfilling and rewarding. Um, and it was, it was good to be able to give back to the campus that, that helped me get to where I was at that point, you know, um, and I didn't mind so much that my main, what, you know, my main drive that brought me to Warrensburg was just kind of off in the back burner a bit. You know, it wasn't, I, I had no regrets or anything because I wouldn't have been there without the opportunities I had on campus and, you know, the friendships and the staff that that mentored me.
1: Right. Okay. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break and then, okay come back we will discuss your current career in aviation
0: okay sounds great okay only in the forest can you see this (laughs) and this and this but nothing beats the moment you see that cool that's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities can do that
1: because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference there are some moments only the forest can inspire find yours at discovertheforest.org. learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go like hiking canoeing fishing or camping or create your own adventure with family and friends and you might just see this your moments out there Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org.
0: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
1: If you are just joining us, we are on the air with UCM alum and current director of safety for the Denver Air Connection, Michael Giovannini. So, Michael, after getting your master's and working for the university as an admissions rep, what was kind of like your next step, I guess, joining the military?
0: sure yeah so it the i was presented if, if you heard the first part of the the interview i was presented with a, a possible opportunity of staying in admissions and working you know on the college campus but at the same time i found about this opportunity to go straight to flight school with the army and do that um so so i chose to do that since that was my my main goal and drive and um Whether I, you know, I think I saw a career. I did see a career opportunities within, you know, higher ed, and not just at UCM. It could have been at any college campus anywhere in the nation. I, I, I would have gone to. I had a good, good background experience and foundation there at at UCM. So I felt comfortable with that, and I felt comfortable that if for some reason, if everything just went sideways with me flying helicopters, you know, in the army or whatever, I had I had a safety net to fall back upon. I had a plan B. So it, it didn't feel like a high risk choice. I think the higher risk was the example that I gave earlier was being a director of admissions or a director of whatever at a college campus. And if I happen to hear a helicopter fly over, just kind of getting a thousand yard stare, you know, sitting at my desk going, gosh, I wonder what would have happened if I had just tried to do that, you know? So, so um, yeah, so I left higher ed, joined the army, went, went to basic training, went to what was called warrant officer candidate school. And then within, six months of joining the army i was learning how to fly helicopters so um dream come true it was perfect um so learned how to fly helicopters i flew a a scout helicopters just a two-seat observation type thing we um i did that for seven and a half years i was stationed up at fort drum new york which is about an hour north of syracuse 30 miles south of canadian border it's funny about the army is that if you tell the army that you want to go to fort drum new york they gladly send you to Fort Drum, New York, because not many people <laughs> want to go there because it's it's so cold and it's way up there. But for me, it was close to home. It was you know it was about seven hour then drive back to Cape Cod area of Massachusetts. So it brought me close to home um, in that sense. So so I did that. You know, um, I, I joined the army in it was August of ninety nine. Um, that includes basic training and flight school and. And all that, and then get stationed up to Fort Drum, New York, and um, serve my country. Went, went to Iraq in 2003, 2004, uh, back in the very beginning of you know the Middle East conflicts. Um, came back, and then um, looking at my crystal ball at the time, I was like, you know what? With the rate things are going, um, you know, in the world, I can probably count on being deployed about another year and a half or every two years, if I decide to stay in, um, which was not a problem, you know, not a problem. I, I was fully committed to it. But I think one thing that, that was in the back of my mind too, was I still had this plan B. I still had that, that higher ed thing. And I missed that. I, I loved helicopters. It was everything I thought it was and more, and then serving my country was more than I could have ever thought of. And the, the friendships I've made and, and the honor of doing all that was, was awesome. Um, but at the time I, t- I made the decision, you know what, I'm going to transition out, out of the service when, when my commitment was up um, and I can either go back into higher ed or I can fly helicopters, you know, as a career. Um, so when I transitioned out, I had moved to California and w- w- the area that I moved to, there weren't any flying opportunities there. So I'm like, you know, and uh, the one or two that were, I, they didn't have any openings at the time. So I'm like, well, guess what? Plan B, I'm going to fall back into higher ed. So um, I found I, I, I worked at a community college um, in their what they called a career and transfer center. So I was helping college students transition and matriculate to the four-year schools. So there I was back into kind of like what I was doing in my foundation from UCM. Um, and I think I had a advantage to some degree, because when I was talking to some college students, um, a, a big part of them, it was a very small community. A very, it was It's the smallest community college in the state of Colorado, I mean, California, sorry. Um, California has about 112 different community colleges throughout the system, it's, it's huge. Um, so it was a very small town, very small area, a lot of migrant families, um, underrepresented students and, and communities. So a lot of them went, went to the community college and, weren't, and was in a way to think about, okay, what am I going to do when I grow up? Or what am I going to do with my, you know, what sort of careers? And I found myself, you know, in the unique opportunity to be able to talk to students about my experiences and my path that I found um, in going to a four-year school. Um, but also if they were, if they brought up, oh, I'm also thinking about the military, I, I could at least share my experience Based, you know, based on my experiences in you know, in the army and doing what I did there. So, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was very fulfilling. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and then at, at that time, after about five, about year four or so, the, um, the state of higher ed in California was, was pretty tight. Budgets were getting cut left and right. It was very challenging time. And I was actually feeling very stagnant where I was, I wasn't feeling challenged anymore in the career and actually had that on, honest conversation with my supervisor, he asked if I was challenged, I'm like, I don't know, you know, but <laughs> I, I realized that, you know what, the challenge has to come from within. I gotta challenge myself to to be better with serving students and helping students. And, you know, I did that, but, it, but I was looking for something bigger. I was looking for something at a bigger university, a bigger opportunity to, to climb, you know, an experience. And none of the four-year schools because of hiring freezes and budget cuts and stuff it was it was nowhere to go and just around then and I'll say this every day life shouldn't work this way but it did for me so I had a my my head my lead flight instructor in my aviation unit in the army called me one day from Colorado and he said hey we're you're still working in higher ed on a college somewhere right I'm like yeah he was like well, we're the company i work for we're we're creating this position for training and what are you guys doing in higher ed what are you doing with training or how are you working with students so i was explaining to him about student learning outcomes and student learning objectives that we were doing in on the on the community college campus and how we were measuring student success and and all this great stuff that validated the programs the academics that were on a college campus and how we were using that, he's like, "Wow, that sounds awesome!" I'm like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, it was great catching up, and we we talked about maybe once a month, anyway. And then the next week, he called me, said, "So, you're going to apply for that job?" I was like, what <laughs> job? It's like the one that we created. So, I uh, <laughs> I left California, moved to Colorado to work for um, an air medical transport company, which at the time was the was is one of the largest in the in the in the nation. So, if you think of um, flight for life operations, you know, hospital helicopter operations, um, and hospitals. So the position that I, that was created for me, I hate saying that, <laughs> um, was, um, responsible for all the new hire training for all the pilots that were coming to the company, as well as all the aviation training for all the nurses and paramedics that do all the magic that they do in the back of the helicopters. So, so this is where this is it's weird but this is where my careers blended so here I was in my my undergraduate degree in aviation that started at UCM and all that great experience right and then my higher ed opportunity that came up and I worked or I'm working in student services working on a college campus and I go join the army and fly helicopters and do all that great stuff and I go back into higher ed and then here I was with this opportunity to work at this Corporation that provides air medical transport services, and say, and you know, is there for the people's worst day of their lives accidents or illnesses or whatever. And here I was at the very beginning of that, of training, doing all the classroom instruction for all the new hire pilots that were coming in to do that, and all the nurses and paramedics. And I was taking what I had learned in higher education. And, and at the community college and then the foundation at UCM that I had and bringing together my aviation experience and my higher edu- education experience and just putting it together and creating classroom learning objectives and and stuff like that for this you know large corporation and transform the training department really from death by PowerPoint, <laughs> so to speak, to what I was eventually able to do was combine combine academics for both the pilots and the and the medical crews so they were learning from each other from each other's experiences because we had pilots that were coming to class straight from the military or they were coming from other areas of the industry and we had nurses and paramedics that were brand new to aviation and they had excelled to their point in their career that they qualified to be on the back of a helicopter in the back of a helicopter to do those those amazing things that they do there and I was able to to really Take it from just you know slides on a presentation to learning outcomes and learning objectives and scenario-based training um, for 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 the pilots and the and, um, and the in the flight crew that were in the back of the helicopters. It was an amazing amazing opportunity. Um, and I did that for five years, but it's it's weird, right? It's weird how sometimes that is I'm,
1: insane. Yeah, yeah, it is,
0: and it's. I I shouldn't have been that lucky, you know, in many ways, Um, but it, it, it all came down to, you know, where I was at UCM, you know, um, as an undergrad, um, and then someone taking an opportunity to plant a seed, you know, in higher education, which really did lead and defined my career, my career paths, where I was able to merge these two different careers that don't have anything to do with each other at all right at all but i was able to merge them and and be successful with it um so so i did that for five years where i am right now (laughs) long story to where i am now as the director (laughs) of safety for for key lime air denver air connection is when i was in the army um as a helicopter pilot you, you had to pick a career path besides just flying helicopters. Some of them <laughs> become flight instructors within the unit. Some of them become maintenance test pilots or, or operations. And I went safety. I felt that felt felt like it fit my personality better. Um, so I had my official safety aviation safety training in the army. Um, and then when I left um, the become the air medical transport company. Um, and I was thinking about going back into higher ed because there weren't any at that time right there. I wasn't sure which career where I was going to go. Um, and an opportunity came up at at this airline to, for a director of safety. I'm like, Hey, I don't know anything about airplanes (laughs) or jets or the airline industry, but I know a whole lot about safety and that's transferable. It doesn't matter where you're going. So, um, so that, so I jumped at it and very fortunately I got picked up, you know, up by it. And um, so here I am as the you know, um, year six this month, actually, um, as a director of safety for this for this small, smallish airline out here in Colorado, which is very diverse and ver- it's a very challenging career. It's very rewarding. And uh, if you were to ask me if I still miss higher education, I'll say yes. You know, cause I think I, you know, I've, I've, I've got two different career paths that I've, I think I've been successful with, or I've been fortunate enough to be successful and had the opportunity to participate in both. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Well, happy anniversary. uh, Hey, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually told that you recruit pilots in Denver. Is that not true?
0: Me personally? Yes. Um, I will take part in interviews, um, as the director of safety. Um, yeah. So, um, we get pilots from, from all over, from all over the United States, um, we're we're about 200, little over 200 employees at the airline. So we're big, but we're small, in some ways. Okay. We're very complex for what we do um, with the different types of operations that we have. Um, but it's not specific to Colorado. You know, we, we've got we have emplo- we over the last two years we've expanded operation in that we. When I first started here, we if you were going to be a pilot at the airline, you had to live here in Colorado. Um, in the Denver area proper, actually, um, and that's changed as the industry has changed, as it's becoming more challenging to to find pilots because of the pilot shortage. Um, and it's not just pilots; it's not just a pilot shortage. It's also a mechanic shortage too. So, if I can plug the AMP program there at aviation at uh, at UCM's uh, aviation program, we need we need mechanics too. The industry needs mechanics just as much as they need pilots um so you don't have to as a pilot you know if you've got the the minimum requirements um to fly for us you don't have to live in in denver although it's a great place to be um, um it's not and it's not a bad drive to warrensburg if you were really stuck there you know it's a uh, 10 hours to kansas city from here um,
1: yeah. so no
0: we, we get pilots from all over um a lot of them are kind of in our backyard to some degree because of the flight schools that are in the local areas um um, but a lot of, a lot of other pilots come from different parts of the industry from all around. Yeah.
1: Okay. So as the director of safety, what is a typical workday like for you?
0: Oh you a
1: Typical workday. That's fine too.
0: It was not a typical workday. Um, <laughs> to be honest, um, I don't know how many times I go home and I'm thinking I had, I left the house today with, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I get home. Like I didn't do any of that because I was busy doing all this other stuff. Um, it's very diverse. Um, and I think that's the, kind of the really one of the big benefits of a company this size is that you never know which way you might get pulled. And being in safety, it's not just you're involved in not just those areas that you think are very obvious that you'd be, you know, as a director of safety, like, oh, on you know, all the dangerous areas that are on a maintenance floor and all the mechanics working on aircraft or out on an aircraft ramp where there's aircraft moving around and passengers coming and going or, inside the aircraft as well with the flight attendants and the flight crew. The safety portion in aviation isn't just those. It's throughout the whole system, throughout the whole airline. Everything that we do is, is safety centric. So some days I could be talking about ladder safety or talking to employees about ladder safety because they're bouncing off the top of a ladder to reach some component on an aircraft or something. Or the next day I'm stuck at my desk going through FAA regulations or OSHA, or OSHA Guidance. Um, it, it's interesting. I had a conversation when the pandemic hit um, with a colleague of mine at another airline, and he jokingly said, "You know, I got into aviation safety because I really enjoyed aviation and being part of improving safety in the industry." The pandemic hit. Now I feel like I'm in occupational health and and, and safety, and it's <laughs> my my duties are less aviation and they're more about you know, germs and masks and, and everything that we, everything that we're very familiar with now as a society. And I, I laughed, I said, well, I never reflected on that, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting career. So yeah, I don't really have, I'd say I don't have a typical thing. And I think that's, that's one of the appeals to being in a safety position is that you don't have a typical day, you know, um, you never know what, what could come up, um, you know that's good and bad, um, but what you're involved in. But what what I'm doing right now, if you would ask me, is there ties between what I'm doing now and my past experiences? It definitely is. You know, um, I've kind of come back to safety in some ways because I was practicing it in the army. You know, as a safety manager and pilot. Um, but all that stuff that I that I my experiences in higher education and talking to students and coaching you know, in classroom settings or or that sort of thing is I do that almost almost on a daily basis when I'm talking to employees. If I'm trying to convey the importance of wearing hearing protection when you're outside near an engine that's running or or a generator or something. And why is this important? Why do I need to do it in in you know molding those relationships and and helping employees, you know, be safe at work and recognize the importance of being safe at work. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of those skills in leadership and and instruction and coaching, as I said, came from my experiences in, in higher education. You know, it was uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Pretty full circle.
0: It is. It is. It's weird. You know, I, one, one example I used to give um, to students when I was working at the community college was like, you know, you might think you've got a clear path, like, hey, I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to go here, here, and here. And it's a direct line. And sometimes it does really work that way. But if you were to look at my squiggly line, like I wanted to fly helicopters. And I got there, but I took, a, I took a roundabout way to get there. But along that path, along that way, look at that. I found another career path that I really you know, enjoyed. And I, like I so I think I, I excelled at it and got to helicopters. But then I went in another loop and combined everything back there. So you, you never know. You, know, you never know, you know. Sometimes it works that way. That's a straight path. Other times it's squiggly. And sometimes along that squiggly line or the detours, you find these other opportunities you never would have known. And it all works out really well sometimes. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's some really good advice. Um, I Take one more commercial break. And then when we come back, we'll be discussing your plans for the future.
0: Okay. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the US are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit
1: feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. If you are just tuning in, we are on the air with UCM alum and current director of safety for the Denver Air Connection, Michael Giovannini so my first question is do you still get to fly helicopters in any capacity
0: no unfortunately my last my last flight in a helicopter was it was July t- 2015 um, when I was working for the air medical transport company um, the the class schedule that I was holding with with teaching all the new the new hire pilots and nurses paramedics we were doing a new hire class every two oh. weeks so I really didn't have many opportunity to get out and fly but a division of the company I worked for um, installed the medical interiors on the helicopters. So what they would do is they would take a brand new helicopter off the assembly line with the new, I call the new car smell in it, you know, <laughs> brand new um, and fly it here to Denver. And then they would rip the guts out of it and then install the interior to make it a air ambulance. So a pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool operation. But when, when my schedule allowed and a delivery um opportunity came up and i would fly out to to tennessee on a commercial aircraft um to where a bell helicopter plant was where they finished up the the, com- the um putting the paint on the helicopters and the rest of the right re- basic interior you know um and myself and another pilot would fly that brand new spanking helicopter from from tennessee um here to colorado for delivery so that was my last flight but it, it, i would I'd get that opportunity once every couple of months or so um, which was pretty cool. You know, um, do I miss flying? If that's your next question. Yep. Um, (laughs) um, It's there, there's a, there's a, a heliplex right next to the hangar that I'm at here where our headquarters are and there's helicopters that fly in and out. And yeah, I look outside and go, gosh. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the FAA inspectors that we work with um, used to fly helicopters in the army. So we always talk about helicopters when around, but um, yeah, I miss, I miss flying, but it's um, I don't feel that it's something that I have to do. You know, I, I did it. I had a great time with it. Um, I miss, I miss it almost on a daily basis, but um, you know, at that point in my career that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy and rewarded with where, where I'm at now. So where's my career path now? Um <laughs> Gosh, that, that can be a tricky question. If there's microphones in my office to my boss, you know, like, yeah, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> um, um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm I do think about the future and do I, do I look at job postings and stuff, even though I'm happy where I'm at and it's very rewarding and challenging and I know I'm making a difference and I'm helping with, I'm part of, the growth that the airline has had despite the pandemic. So like the pandemic hit and in the midst of that, we opened up six new stations that we fly to six new routes. We bought three new 50 passenger jets during the pandemic unheard of. And you've got all these other big giant airlines that are closing down and laying off pilots and stuff. And we thrived. Um, So being part of that um, is, it's pretty pretty dang cool. Um, and we're, and we're continuing to grow. We're continuing need pilots and we continually need mechanics and people to work the ramps and the stations and ticket agents and all that stuff. It's a, it's, it's an amazing company to work for. And it came from the, the two owners of the company. Um, they fly, the, they fly our aircraft. They don't, they don't run the company by an office on one corner of the building or the other. They don't, one of them has an office here and he's hardly ever here, but they they fly almost as often as all the other pilots do. That's how they run the that's run the, how they run the airline, which is really unique. But that's that very cool speaks though. to their passion. They wanted to start an airline and they're doing it, and they're not going to stop flying until someone tells them you're too old to fly. I think that's when it's, <laughs> I think that's when it's going to happen. So my career path, um, I'm just continue to help help the airline in in every way that I can to continue to be gr- to grow um, to do it safely as well, of course. Um, but I think when you're, I don't know, you can take this as the career counselor part of me. Um, I think that you, you do yourself a disservice sometimes if you don't keep your eyes open up for other opportunities for growth. You know, um, there are definitely employees here that have been here for 20 plus years. Airlines been around for 26, I believe it is 26, 27. And that's great. And that's amazing. Um, And who says that I, I may not be one of those people that are here for 20 years but um, you know I, I think that i would i'd be open to other opportunities if they presented themselves and if the situation was was right for me um, to go to a, a larger operation or even back to helicopters i'd love to get back into the helicopter industry i miss that i mean you talk about passion and stuff you know I, i'm passionate about safety i'm passionate about employee safety and aviation safety um, but my niche and where my, I guess my wheelhouse, if you want to use a, I hate using terms like that, but my wheelhouse or whatever, um, is really helicopters. I mean, I, you know, um, but here I am a helicopter guy in an in an airline, which is weird, you know? So it's that, that's kind of fun too, because we poke fun at each other, helicopter pilots and plane pilots. You know, it's a friendly rivalry sometimes, but it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that I think- That nice is to me. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, I think it'd be a disservice if in your career paths, whatever, you're not always, even though you're happy and you're fulfilled and you have a good salary or whatever it is, just look to see what other opportunities present themselves. It's not, you're not being dishonest to your employer, or whatever. It's part of, it's part of professional development, you know, especially if you're at a, at a company somewhere that maybe the growth isn't there. Maybe it's small enough or the opportunities for growth aren't They're kind of like what happened to me in higher education at that time. You know, the timing was just that there was nowhere else to go. And I wasn't feeling challenged. I was feeling stagnant. I knew I was making a difference and I enjoyed doing it, but I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted the next challenge in my career. Um, and at the time it didn't work out and then things kind of fell into place. And there I was off, you know, finding my way back into aviation and, and doing that. So, um, there's a little bit of career advice, I guess, um, keep your eyes open for those opportunities. You know, even, even though you're not looking, always have your resume ready to go just in case you never know. You never well, know.
1: personally I am looking cause I graduate in two months, but
0: okay. Very good.
1: Overall career advice. Um, so as the director of safety, how has COVID affected your position, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. Kind of like I was kind of sarcastically saying that, you know, that conversation that I, that I had with a colleague of mine, at another airline was like, well, wow, I'm in aviation safety, but I'm dealing with health safety and, and things like that for employees. So that was a big change, you know um, you know, I've got a background in it, but I think just like any other industry in, in the world, you had to learn how to, how to manage the, you know, the hazard and risks with, with that pandemic. Um, and yeah, a lot, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that my reduction in focus in aviation safety was lessened any, it was just, Oh my gosh, I really need to concentrate the efforts regarding work work. This is part of workplace safety. That's really what at the core of it was for the pandemic. Um, and how do we keep an employee safe and, and going, you know, um, I guess maybe one advantage we had was being an airline. We're highly regulated by the FAA, you know, and the department of transportation and stuff. So, and, when when they say you have to wear a mask, guess what? You have to wear There's, a mask. You have to wear a mask. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So um, I I think we're fortunate enough because of our size, all the crazy things that you see in the in the news about disruptive passengers and all this stuff, with, and I think it's all of it's almost mostly tied to fast wearing. We, we haven't encountered any of that and I think maybe because of our size we we serve 11, 11 different communities on 30 passenger jets that we use and a lot of these small um, small communities and small towns wouldn't have access to larger airports like international airports if we weren't providing a service there so the the people that fly, the fly on our our flights that connect to denver international or minneapolis or chicago um they really they fly us often so you really get to know them really on a personal basis so it, it feels like in many ways for a passenger on us it feels like a private charter even though it's a 30 passenger jet or a 50 passenger jet because sometimes the flight isn't all the way full you know so it's we're we're, we're unique in that sense and we've been fortunate that we haven't had the same sort of disruptions that the larger airlines have had that you may hear about. Um, So initially with the pandemic, yeah, I really focused a lot of my energies into, you know, employee safety and employee health, health prevention and that sort of thing. And, And to be honest, I had to learn a lot as, as a lot of people did, you know, during the pandemic. And I had to, I had to shift my homework, <laughs> my studies to, to really dig into, you know, what does the CDC say? What does the guidance say? So that way I could, and maybe this goes back to my coaching and instructing from my higher ed background, I had to be able to communicate with the owners, fellow colleagues, leaders, and directors, and employees that were like, yeah, but I read this. Okay, well, that's great, but here's what the facts say, or here's what the science says, or whatever, and be able to to present those, you know, those cases, why you have to wear a mask and why we have these protocols in place and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, maybe I was effective in communicating why we needed to do things like that in different ways because of my background in you know, in higher ed. I don't, I, don't, I don't know, but yeah, it changed it. Um, things are kind of leveled off a little bit now as it has throughout the country, um, but it doesn't mean it's any less important. Right. Know. We're, we're very fortunate as an airline we're very fortunate to come off and as i said with the success that we had with opening up you know as many new stations as we did and purchasing you know three more aircraft and and that sort of thing it was um, our business model a lot allowed us to thrive and survive the turbulent where otherwise if, if we hadn't i we, i don't think the airline would have survived the pandemic at all so
1: well it's then, good that you did
0: yeah 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 we're very fortunate. Yep.
1: Um, so then my last question for you is what advice do you have for students pursuing a degree in aviation? In
0: aviation. Yes. Um, I think it, if I can use my experience as an example, maybe is, you know, it, it's good to have that that career path that you think, OK, here's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be a straight line. Right. but um, like, okay, I'm going to go into aviation, become a pilot. And I'm going to become a pilot and I'm going to go to the airlines or I'm going to become a pilot. I'm going to fly corporate, corporate jets, business jets all around the world or whatever it is. That's awesome. That's great. My suggestion would be explore other career fields within aviation, not just being a pilot, not just flying. Um, And I hate being a, I'm a pessimist uh, a lot of times, maybe because I'm a helicopter pilot. I don't know, but, um, um, you know, you never know what could happen. You know, let's say, you know, you're you're, as a pilot, your livelihood and your career depends on you being able to be medically certified to have a pilot's license from the FAA. And if anything happens tragically where you're not able to have your medical certificate fly anymore, and you've spent six figures let's say you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on flight training to get your flight hours to qualify to fly for for an airline or, or get your foot in the door that sort of thing and then something happens with your with your medical health. that whole investment on becoming a pilot where do you go now what 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 where is your safety net where what what's your plan b you know um and it's it, some people may not want to think about that you know, those worst case scenarios, but it's a reality. It's a reality, um, that, you know, there's, there's people that I know, pilots I know that lost their medical certificate or, um, because of a health issue, um, or whatever. And now they're like, I have all this debt from flight training. And I never thought of, you know, I've got to, you know, I never thought of what other things I could do. So I think, you know, as you're making your your career path, you're making your way. You know, keep striving to be that professional pilot. Stay on that professional pilot path. You know, be be like Wiley e. Coyote and just keep running after the Roadrunner and just don't give up. Just keep going. But my suggestion would be open. You know, talk to other people, t- network with people in the industry that do more than just flying. You know, um, I've I've very fortunately found, you know, found the safety career path. I'm not sure if I would have found it if I hadn't joined the army or not. I don't know. Um, because at the time, you know, I was, I was helicopters and, um, that's all, that's all my focus was, but I realized, you know, through that conversation with that, you know, that VP that, Hey, there's, there, there might be other opportunities. And, and I could have, I could have gone aviation safety. I did mention that earlier, you know, as a path, but, in my mind, I was like, well, if, if for some reason it doesn't work out, what here's some, you know, I, I took a chance on an opportunity that someone pointed out to me in this other area. So yeah, strive for what you what brought you on your career path, but also be open to other opportunities and look at other things. There's specific to aviation. There's so much more in the industry than just flying. Everyone sees, you know, the pilot side of it. If I, you know, But there's so many other career areas, whether it's in operations, whether it's in safety, um, in business marketing, you name it. IT even, you know, of course, there's tons of, you know, opportunities in there. We could, you know, hey, I'm an IT guy. I'm a computer science major at at UCM. But I've always thought about aviation. Well, guess what? You can make a career in aviation in IT, you know, and do all that. So, um, yeah, that would be my guess. And just my, my suggestion would be, keep your eyes open look for those opportunities if you want to call it a worst case scenario or doomsday plan you know whatever <laughs> it is that's that's fine but be careful of putting too many you know putting all your eggs in one basket because it, it you definitely open yourself up to a chance of if if something happens then what's my plan b if i can't become a pilot for whatever reason my funding runs out i'm not able to maintain my medical certificate that allows me to fly what what am i going to do next what am I going to do? And there's lots of rewarding careers in aviation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the director of safety and I'm a helicopter pilot or former helicopter pilot, but guess what? I go out and do observations and audits of our aviation operation. And guess what? I'm sitting right in the jump seat up front in the cockpit with the pilots on a 50 passenger jet that that's flying like tomorrow. I'm flying from Denver to ride Colorado for the day to observe, you know, observe our pilots, do, do their approaches and landings into that mountainous airport. It's one of the highest in the country. It's a very challenging airport to land into. Um, and then I spent all day in Telluride, Colorado in ski country, um, talking to the station agents and, you know, seeing if there's any opportunities for me to help them out and what they can do better and improve upon and look at the operation there. So, um, I guess, you know, very funny way. I get to play pilot tomorrow a little bit because I'll be up in, the, <laughs> up in the jump seat in the cockpit. Um, but it's, you know, I still I still get to get that that rush, I guess, of, you know, of what got me into the aviation be sitting in the cockpit. So it's there's some really cool opportunities out there that I think as a college student or someone that's coming up in the aviation program, if you if you're. You've got your i'll say your blinders on a bit and you're just focused on one thing which is awesome do that make sure to have that drive but just widen them in a little bit and just you know talk to different people you know look at the alumni network you know i'd be happy to talk to anybody um about my career path or or whatever and be a resource for everyone um, i volunteered um you, you talked to tiffany and alumni relations right that's how you got my contact info
1: he sent it yeah. to Joe Moore, who's my... Okay, so he
0: got it there. Yeah, so um, I've I've volunteered. This is my second second year around doing a, a letter-writing campaign and prospective students. So I've got a list of 20 prospective aviation students for UCM that I've got to write cards to say, hey, I hope you sp- pick UCM. And I include my business card in that. Like, if, you, if you've got any questions about how I got to where I want to be and how UCM played a part in that, I'd be glad to talk to you. So you know, networking is really important, you know, you know, talk to as many different people in the industry, maybe not just in aviation specifically, you know, whatever career path you're going to get to or degree program, um, talk to the instructors, find out what they're doing, talk to your faculty members and find out what opportunities are. You may be surprised on what, what hooks you kind of like what happened to me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thank you very much for that advice. Um, that is all of the time that we have for this episode. Michael, thank you so much again for joining me this week. And if you are listening at home, don't forget to join me again next week at the same time and place. I'm Olivia Gibbs, and this has been Voices of UCM.